you have your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, we're going to start reading in verse 38, read through the end of the chapter. This is the story of Mary and Martha when Jesus came to their house. And it's a fairly familiar story. We're going to take a little look at it tonight and see if we can learn something that might help us in our Christian life. Uh, Luke chapter 10, verse, starting verse number 38. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village. This is talking about Christ. And a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bitter therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Let's pray. Father, please. Help me in the message tonight. I pray you'll fill me with your spirit. Help me to say what I need to and leave off what doesn't need to be said. Amen. You know, at, at a casual reading of this story, I picture Martha <clears throat> slaving in a hot kitchen, running around like a chicken with her head cut off, trying to get things ready, making every, sure everything is just right, the placemats, whatever was all in place, while Mary is just sitting back, relaxing, having a good old time talking to Jesus. Uh, and I can see, you know, when Jesus comes in, uh, and it's, it's kind of strange that Mary is so bold, I'm sorry, Martha is so bold, you know, she actually rebukes the Lord and said, don't you care? You know, here I'm doing all this work and my sister's just sitting there, make her come help me. And, uh, and, and you know, Jesus says, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. One thing is needful. And Mary had chosen that good part. I can see Mary going, you know. Uh, Typical of brothers and sisters. But um, as we look at the story a little more carefully, I don't think that's the case. And especially in light of what Jesus Christ said, I know that's not the case. Actually, Martha was a, truly a servant, and she was equally loved by Christ just as much as her sister Mary. So, so what was the problem with Martha? I'll show you the problem. This. Now you're thinking... Tim Harrell, you're crazy. Well, that's true. But uh, what is this? Well, I'll tell you what it is. It's a distraction. Okay? Those of you that are parents, when your child was little, or maybe some of you are going through that right now, and for whatever reason, apparently no reason, they start screaming and crying. Okay? So what do you do? Oh, they sit there and stare at it. They look at it. Okay? And uh, hopefully it lasts a long time. Usually it doesn't. Then they throw it on the ground, and then you pick it up, and then that becomes a fun thing. And then, uh, well, you know, it's easier just not to deal with that. But, uh, but th that's all this is. It's just a distraction to get their mind off whatever their problem is. And the truth of the matter is, what Martha was doing, the Bible says, if you look at the passage again, the Bible says that, but Martha, verse 40, was cumbered about much serving. Okay, the word cumbered there literally means she was distracted. And it says much serving. Okay, the truth of the matter is, uh, Martha, she wasn't doing anything bad. She was just distracted by something that was less important. And the point Jesus was making was not, Martha, you shouldn't be cooking. You shouldn't be keeping the house clean. You shouldn't be working hard. You ought to just be laying around here like Mary. That, that was not what he was saying. 
What he was saying is, what you're doing is important, but it's not as important as what Mary's doing. And he, he very plainly said, uh, thou art troubled, careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part that shall not be taken away from her. So what Jesus was telling uh, Martha was that Mary chose the best thing over a good thing. Martha chose a good thing over the best thing because she was distracted by her own serving. You know, the Bible says the servant is the greatest. We know how important, especially here at First Baptist, how important being a servant is. And if, but if we're not careful, sometimes our serving can be the main thing. Especially if you get a reputation for being a servant, then if you're not careful, you want to be known as a servant. And if you're not careful, that desire to be known as a servant may blind you or distract you from things that are more important. Now, again, it's not a bad thing for her to be cumbered about working, but to her it was the main thing. But when Jesus is in the other room, then it shouldn't be the main thing. And perhaps uh, if Martha hadn't worked wasn't busy working on her seven-course dinner, maybe just limited it to just a cup of coffee because of Jesus being there. Now, if it was me there, then I would just say, keep cumbering, okay? Uh, in fact, uh, Mary, you want to go help Martha a little bit because uh, I think she needs some help there. And Lazarus, why don't you go too? And I can just sit here and entertain myself. Uh, so if I'm there, I mean, just fix all that food, do all that, you know, don't worry about me. But Jesus was there. And so Jesus became the most important thing, not the serving that Martha was doing. And uh, so distractions. Boy, seemingly something so insignificant, yet so powerful. A screaming kid, you know, and all of a sudden you stick this in front of them, and they're mesmerized by it. Just a little bitty distraction. You know, according to the National Highway Safety, Traffic Safety Administration, Texting while driving is six times more dangerous than drunk driving. And uh, I can see that's true. I, I haven't seen very many drunk drivers on the road. I have before. And uh, in fact, I've called the police, got behind somebody, and they were going from side to side. And uh, I was coming uh, to the schools, to Hammond Baptist. And there was a guy in front of me. I mean, he was going from one side of the road to the other. And I called the police. And I said, I'm behind this guy, man. He must be as drunk as a skunk. He's weaving all over the road. And I followed him, and he turned on Joliet Street. I thought, where's this guy going? So I followed him, and I said, this is convenient. He's going the same direction I am. And then when we got to Roman Road there and at Joliet Street, he turned in there. And I thought, wow, he lives over close to the school. And I kept following him. He pulled in a parking space at Hammond Baptist. And I got out and looked. It was one of our students. And he wasn't drunk. He was just drunk. He was just half asleep. Uh, so, but I'll never forget. Uh, I was... I was actually pulled over for drunk driving one time, the night of my ordination. I'm not lying. Uh, let me tell you the rest of the story, though. Uh, I was, after my ordination, I was driving my parents. We were coming home. To, I lived in Crown Point. I was driving on I-65, and there were potholes all over the road. And so I was dodging all the potholes. All of a sudden, I look in the mirror, and I pull over, and the policeman said, I got one guy in here. Have you been drinking? And I said, no, sir. I just got ordained. And uh, so, <laughs> So I always tell people I got pulled over for drunk driving on the night of my ordination, which is true. But I didn't get arrested. I ran him. Anyway. But, you know, the devil, the devil loves to distract us. And, and often we don't even realize it. 
You know, on D-Day in 1944, the Allied forces used fake equipment to distract the Germans' attention away from the Normandy invasion. And uh, I got to, I want to bring, can you bring up that first picture, Brother White? This tank is not a real tank. Did you know that's an inflatable tank? Now, when I was a kid, I'd have killed to have that tank. Uh, you, anybody old enough to remember those little, the comic books in the back of the comic books where you could order that those little tank? And it looks so real, actually, just a piece of cardboard. But, uh, but that'd be cool, those were inflated, and they had hundreds and hundreds of inflatable tanks that they look real just from the picture, but from the sky, uh, they look really real, and they, they call it a dummy tank. Uh, show me the next picture here. That truck, if you look at it just casually, you say, that's a real truck, but actually, it's an inflatable truck. It's a dummy truck. Show that next picture. This is a modern-day dummy. Uh, Okay, we've seen that long enough. Take that picture off. <laughs> I owed you, so don't mess with me. All right. You know, when I grew up as a teenager, I, I listened to rock music. I grew up in a Southern Baptist church. Rock music was never preached again. I didn't know if there was anything wrong with it. My parents didn't know anything was wrong with it. They, they bought me most of my music. Uh, Believe it or not, I was in a rock band. Can you picture me? Anyway, don't do that. Don't picture me doing that. But, uh, and then, you know, finally I realized that there was some preaching that I heard in other churches that it was wrong. It was the devil's music. First time I heard it, I was like, what? That's not the devil's music. How could that be the devil's music? But then I realized it was. Got rid of all my rock music. But, you know, uh, teaching the Hammond Baptist, different people get involved in rock music, and I had to deal with some of that as a discipline counselor there. But, uh, you know, People talk about the things that are wrong with rock music, and there's obviously many things wrong with rock music. Uh, we talk about the, the, the corrupt words, the worldly musicians that play the music. But you know what I think the main problem with rock music is? It's a distraction. It's a distraction from God. If, you know, there's, there's some rock music that doesn't have bad words. There's some rock music that the beat's not really, really too bad. I mean, there's some that's worse than others. So what's wrong with, you know, you may have trouble convincing a young person that rock music's bad. But let me tell you, the worst thing about rock music, it distracts you from God. Because I used to listen to it, and I didn't see anything wrong with it when I listened to it, but it wasn't until after I gave it up that I realized I wasn't close to God. And it was because of my music, because that music was distracting me from God. And Satan will use anything he can to keep us from doing what God wants us to do. So let me just, I'm gonna give you four practical helps here in this matter of distractions and Satan using distractions. First of all, number one, make it a habit to tackle the unpleasant, dreaded, and difficult tasks first. I'll read it again. Make it a habit to tackle the unpleasant, dreaded, and difficult tasks first. You know, when your kids come home from school, what do you tell them? Do your homework first, right? Get it over with, get it out of the way, then you can have the rest of the night to enjoy the night. But what do they want to do? They want to come home and play basketball, and then the last thing right before it's time to go to bed, ah, oh, i got to do my homework, and then they, then they hate it even more. Ah, oh, this stupid teacher, stupid homework. I don't know why they give us all this homework. Well, you're smart if you just do what your parents say. You get the homework done, so you just get home, then you don't have to worry about the rest of the night. Same thing with eating, eating your veggies, okay? Eat your veggies first, then you can enjoy the rest of the meal. I remember when I was a kid, I hated vegetables, and uh, I've kind of sort of not even grown out of that. Uh, there's a few things I can eat now, uh, but, but the worst, the worst was green peas. How many like green peas? How many are right with God and you're like me, you hate green peas? 
There you go. There's some good godly people out there. All right. Green peas, to me, was the nastiest saying ever invented. And I know God invented them, but, you know, God also invented mosquitoes. But, uh, but green peas, and, and now, to be honest with you, green peas, to me, aren't good, warm, or cold. But they're a lot worse cold, okay? And so, you know, I look at that, and I save it to the very end. And, you know, I, all the tricks you do, you kind of spread them out. Look, it looks like you've been eating them or hide them under the edge of your plate. We didn't have a dog back then, so I couldn't, and I'd do that. Uh, but I'd wait to the very end, and then my, my mom would say, you're going to eat your green peas. And I said, Mom, if I eat my green peas, I'm going to throw up. She said, I don't care. You're going to eat your green peas. I said, Mom, if I eat the green peas, I'm going to throw up. She said, you're going to eat your green peas. And uh, so I ate them, and I threw up. Yeah. And uh, see, listen to me from now on. But so I can eat green peas a little bit now, but if it's mixed in with something else like rice and all that other stuff. But, uh, but we tell our kids to do that. Um, and we ought to do that. Uh, you know, it's easy to have a task. You have a, I don't know, are you a to-do list person? I'm a to-do list person. Okay, and I make my list. And, uh, and if, if I forgot to put something on the list and I already did it, I'll write it on the list and put a line through it that makes me feel better that I already did something. And more things that I mark through. But, uh, you know, on your to-do list, there's always some things and you think, ah, I got to do this. You write it on there. But for a long, long time, there's no line through it because you're saving it. And finally you get down to it and everything everything's, has a line through it except that one thing you don't want to do. So then you're thinking of something else. What else can I do, you know, before the day's over? But I found that the best thing to do is that, that call I have to make or that whatever I have to do, I just do it first. Get it over with. Then I don't have to dread it. I don't have to worry about it. But uh, if you're not careful, you put off things that you don't want to do and then you end up doing all the insignificant things at the end of the day and the things that really needed to be done the most don't get done. So make it a habit to tackle the unpleasant, dreaded, and difficult tasks first. Number two, reevaluate your priorities and choose the one good part that is needful in each area. Reevaluate your priorities and choose the one good th- part that is needful in each area. You know, Mary, what Jesus said about her is, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part. In area, every area of life, there are good things, and there, there are things that are best. And we need to from time to time, reevaluate what we're doing in every area and, and make sure that we choose. Mary's choice would never be taken away from her, the Bible says. She got eternal rewards for the time she spent with Jesus. Uh, you know, at your funeral, pastors mentioned this from time to time about the different funerals he's conducted, and some people go on and talk about, boy, they just, they were so loving, they were such a good father or whatever. And then other people, you know, well, he was a great fisherman. He was a fisherman. Now, there's nothing wrong with being a fisherman, okay? That's a good thing, okay? But if that's all you're known for, and that's all people can think of to say at your funeral, yeah, boy, he was a great fisherman. Man, you should have seen that one big fish he caught. Boy, you go to his house, and you look on the wall, and there's all kinds of fish all over the wall there. And, uh, man, he was, he was the fisherman of fishermen, you know, and, and he was buried in a giant tackle box, you know, uh, because he loved fishing so much. Uh, okay. Again, nothing wrong with fishing. Fishing's good. Don't stop fishing if you're fishing. Keep fishing. But don't let that be the thing that you're known for. Uh, same thing with sports or whatever it may be. Uh, at your funeral, uh, hopefully you want something people to say more than, uh, man, he was a diehard Bears fan or he was whatever. Uh, I would rather have people say he, he loved people. How about he was after souls? Uh, how about he was a consistent Christian? Uh, not just at church, but wherever he went. He was the real deal wherever he went. 
reevaluate your priorities because one day you are going to look back either from heaven or at the end of your life and say, what do I have to show for my life? Uh, and if your priorities are wrong and you let things distract you, which is easy to do, then when you look back at your life, you're, you're going to look at a wasted life. You don't have to be on drugs to have a wasted life. You don't have to live the life of addiction and, and, and sin and debauchery to have a wasted life. Just let good things, not bad things, not, nothing that anyone's going to look at you and say, oh, man, he did this, this, and this. No, he was a good guy. But you let the good overtake the most important things. So reevaluate your life. How do you want to be remembered? What will God think of it at the judgment seat? Number three, and I've sort of already touched on this, but don't allow important things to be your excuse not to do more important things. Don't allow important things to be your excuse not to do the more important things. That was Martha. She was doing something important. She was cooking. But she did that over the most important thing, and that was spending time with Jesus. You know, in Matthew 23, verse 23, the Bible says, Jesus condemned the Pharisees and the scribes. He said this, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye pay tithe and mint and anise of cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ye ought to have done, and not to leave the other undone. Well, on the outward appearance, these, these, these were good guys. I mean, they were serving the Lord. They were doing all kinds of good deeds. But he said, you've omitted, you've left out the weightier matters, the more important things. You've done good things. All those things that they did were very good. They were things that Christians should do. They were, they were things that all of us should do. But he said, you did all this instead of doing the, the weightier things, the more important things. You know, it's so easy uh, to get, okay, uh, if you own your own home, there's always something to do at your house. If you own a car, there's always something to do to your car, okay? Uh, and what's well, so easy to, you know, to go out and look at your lawn and say, man, my lawn looks terrible. I gotta get that thing mowed today. I work all during the week. Saturday's my mowing day, the, old, the day to get everything done. And uh, well, I, don't, I wanna be a good testimony in my neighborhood. I don't want my lawn looking terrible. So but I know it's Super Saturday soul winning, but man, I. This lawn looks terrible. I, I go to Super Saturday Sunday. I may not have time to get my lawn done, and then my neighbors aren't going to be a bad testimony there. So what happens? We let something that's important. Is it important to have a good testimony? Sure it is. Is it important to have your house looking nice, your lawn looking nice? Of course it is. Okay. But is it more important than going soul winning? It's easy to justify that. It's very easy to justify that. And boy, there's always dozens of projects to do at, at the house. Always is. And there always will be. You can get everything done on your project list, and next week there'll be another list about that long. Because there's always something to do. So if you, if you don't guard your priorities and you say, well, this is important, this needs to be done, and you don't weigh that with what's more important, then you're going to spend your life doing important things, and you're going to neglect the weightier matters of life. And you're going to look back and you're going to say, boy, man, I, I don't, this situation's not good. Uh, this is not what it ought to be. Well, I, I feel like I've not done anything with my life. And uh, a lot of times that's where midlife crisis comes in. You, 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 you haven't really accomplished anything because your priorities aren't exactly right. Matthew 6, 31 through 33, Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewith shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth 
that ye have need of these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You know, we worry about all the things. Well, I've got to have this, and, you know, I've got to do this, and I've got to take care of my family, and I've got to do this, and I've got to do that. These are all important things, and, you know, I just I can't neglect them, and, you know. But God says, you put God first. Same thing, just like tithing. Well, I've got all these bills, and, man, I, it doesn't look like I can, I can pay my bills and tithe. And, you know, I've got to have electricity, and, you know, I've got to pay my mortgage, and I've got to do this. I, I, I can't just not pay these bills. That's dishonest. So, you know, God, I know you understand, and so, you know, I'm going to kind of pull that. I'll, I'll make up for that check maybe some other time. No, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Don't be distracted by all the bills. There's always going to be bills, okay? Uh, they just, they don't quit. Uh, you pay off your house, you're still going to have other bills. You're, there's always going to be bills, Okay? And so you've got to decide and realize that I'm just going to put God first. It's Saturday. I'm going, I'm going soul winning. I've got a million things to do. I don't think I'm going to get them all done. We've got company coming tonight. It's not going to all be ready, but I'll just tell them, sorry, I went soul winning today. And I uh, led someone to Christ, and I'll see that in heaven. Long after you've forgotten about that perfect house, that perfect lawn, manicured like a golf course, long after you've forgotten all about that, uh, There'll be souls in heaven uh, that you witnessed to and, and led to Christ and people you've discipled. So, again, distractions. That's, that's just the name of the game. And so don't allow important things to be your excuse to do, not to do more important things. And then number four, schedule a time for the most important things. Schedule a time for the most important things. Look, if you don't plan to do something, you're not going to do it. Especially, okay, the devil doesn't want you to do good things. The devil doesn't want you to do godly things. He wants you just to waste your life away. Not, you don't necessarily have to do bad things. The worst thing about sinful things and addictions is that it distracts you for a longer period of time. It distracts you, uh, perhaps, you know, if you've got an addiction, you know, you say, well, I don't want to keep doing this. It's messing my life up. But you're, but you're, so the addiction is more far-reaching. It may affect other people more. It may... Uh, be longer lasting, but you can spend your life just doing good things. I do good things all the time, but you can neglect the most important things. You've you got to you do reminders. You know, uh, the cell phone, it can be used for bad things, but it can be used for good things. I put reminders on my phone of things that I want to make sure I do. Uh, most phones have a calendar on it, so you can uh, set a certain date to do certain things. But there are certain days of the week that, okay, uh, my mom and dad are still living. They live in Kentucky. Uh, you know, I've often thought, I don't, I don't want my parents to die someday and me think, man, I, I should have called them more. And I wish I'd talked to them more. I wish I'd done more things for my mom and dad. And so I put a reminder on my phone in my calendar to remind me, because I get busy. And I start, I'm working on my thing, I'm working, what's due today, what I get done today, I got this to do and this to do, and my mind gets all cluttered up with those things. I don't even, th and sometimes, you know, I used to go for maybe a week or two or three and not, not even talk to my mom and dad, and I think, man, when was the last time I called my mom and dad? Oh, man, good night. Man, it's been, it's been a month? Oh, my soul. How could I be so, so selfish and neglectful of my parents? And so I realized, look, I can't just trust my memory to do that, because I know I want to do it. And I don't not do it because I don't care. I just, I get busy and I get distracted by, by life. And so I have reminders on my phone 
And all of a sudden, my, my phone will buzz, and I think, call mom and dad. Call mom and dad. And, uh, you know, and maybe there's somebody that needs to be prayed for. Maybe there's somebody that's not saved. And I said, well, I want that person to get saved. Set a reminder on my phone. Maybe once a week. Maybe, uh, just depends. Maybe several times a week. Maybe daily, depending on the situation. And all of a sudden, my phone will uh, hear a little buzz, a vibration, look up there, pray for so-and-so to be saved. And I'll stop up where I'm, God, please. Please save so-and-so. God, please. Okay? Now, when I, if, if I don't set that reminder, I'm, I'm probably not going to do it. And it's not because I don't care. It's just because I'm distracted by everything else in life. And, boy, if we're not careful, we look back on our lives and say, boy, I wish I'd done this more, and I wish I'd done this, and I wish I'd done that, and I wish I'd done that. Why didn't we do it? We wanted to. We didn't want to live in regret. But we were distracted. We were distracted. So set reminders on your phone. Do whatever you have to do. But you have to do it on purpose. And I just, I'm, I've listed five areas, and there are other areas, but five very important areas, maybe the most important areas of our life that, that we need to make sure that we make time for. First one, of course, is God. That was the whole situation with, with Mary and Martha. You think Martha loved Jesus? course she did. But she made a choice not to put him first, but to focus more on her cooking and her working and her getting the house ready than on Jesus. And, and Jesus rebuked her in kindness and love. And he said, Mary, Mary made the right choice. But it was a choice. Martha made her choice. Mary made her choice. And we're all going to make our choices in life. Spending time with God. You're not just going to do it when you think of it. Yeah, I need to read my Bible more. Is that, is that going to make any difference? Because you think I need to read my Bible more? You think when you hear a sermon on reading your Bible more, that all of a sudden that's going to make you read your Bible more? You can walk down the aisle and say, God, I don't read my Bible enough. Lord, help me to read my Bible more. You think that's going to make you read your Bible more? No. You're going to forget about it by the time you get home. You know, one of the most important things I learned about going to the altar is when I'm at the altar, I'm making plans about how it's going to happen. Because I've been to the altar many times with tears in my eyes and a genuine heart. And I, a week or two later, I realized I hadn't done anything about what I was so burdened about. And it wasn't because I didn't care. I just didn't make plans for it. Whenever I'm at the altar and God convicts me about something, which is very rare because I, I don't need that. But, uh, but whenever I go to the altar, once every three or four years, uh, and I just do that just so I don't get too proud. And uh, <clears throat> anyway, okay, I think I need to go to the altar tonight. But... Before I get up, I say, okay, what am I going to do when I get home? How am I going to make this happen? And, and before I leave, I'm mapping out what I'm going to do. And I may even, when I get back to my seat, I may get on a three-by-five card and say, okay, do this. And I'm making plans. Because if I don't do that, I know what happens to me. It never happens. I never get to it. You know, we have time for breakfast. We have time uh, to watch TV. We have time for Facebook. We don't have time for God. And most of us, it's not because we don't care. It's not because we don't love God. It's not because we don't think we need to. We just, we don't plan for it. And things that are important in life don't grab for your attention. You have to decide to do it on purpose. Your time with God, your time in prayer, those aren't natural things. You've heard pastors say, you know, I can, I can sit for two hours and watch a ball game, but to pray for five minutes, that's hard. Why? Because the devil doesn't want you to do it. And all the important things aren't going to happen unless you schedule a time to do it. Okay? Number two, your spouse. 
Well, it's easy to neglect your spouse. Well, when you were courting her, when you first got married, that's all you could think about. You watch newlywed couples when they come back to church, you know, where is she? Oh, she's under there. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's great. But after a while, we lose that, and we kind of take them for granted, and no big deal. Uh, you still have a date night? You have talk time? Now, I know guys. Guys don't need talk time. But ladies do. And, uh, and by the way, when it's that talk time, put that away. If you're sitting there like this, oh, yeah, yeah. What? That's stupid. No, not you. I'm just okay, that doesn't work. Okay? And, and I've had to do this on purpose, but I may be sitting in my chair for a long day, and I think, ah, oh. get out my phone and watch this. Well, let me tell you about today. Okay? It's out of the way. Because if it's there, I feel a vibration of a, uh-huh. Sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, really? Wow. Okay. It's not going to happen. Uh, but it's easy to get distracted. Sometimes we get, a, a, a person gets distracted by another person. Don't let yourself do that. Don't, uh, if you see somebody that makes your eye turn, turn your eye back away from that. That's a distraction. Satan's trying to uh, destroy your marriage. Uh, pornography is a distraction for a marriage. It's not worth it. Number three, your children. Boy, our ch children grow up, and before we know it, I mean, I'm an empty nester. I have four children. They're all grown. They're all married. I have 11 grandchildren. You didn't think I was that old, did you? Well, I got news for you. Uh, where did that time go? Goodness. I remember when they were just little. Okay, that time's gone. It can't ever be reclaimed. Uh, there's ball games. To go to. Well, I'm busy. I got to work. You know. Now I realize I don't want to put anybody on a guilt trip. Everybody's different. Everybody has a different schedule. Sometimes you have to do what you have to do, and I understand that. But a lot of times we don't have to, but we want a little more money. We're not willing to work out our schedule, and we miss ball games. We miss piano recitals. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. But uh, no, I think I went to all my daughter's piano recitals, and. Uh, it's really hard to get earplugs that don't show. Uh, anyway, just Are we distracted by our job? Are we distracted by our own selfish pursuits? Or, we, or just the feeling of inadequacy? Well, my kids are teenagers. I don't know how to handle them. I don't know what to say to them, so I just, I just ignore them. Don't do that. Don't do that. Figure out a way. Talk to somebody. Ask God to help you. Don't neglect. Don't, let, don't be distracted. Forsake your children. Number four, church. Church should never be a choice. It should already be decided. When I was a kid growing up, uh, we always went to church. And back when I was a kid, Walt Disney would come on right before church on Sunday nights. And I, well, I'd get about halfway through the Walt Disney show, and it was great. And the parents said, okay, time to go to church. Oh, no, not tonight. Come on, th not tonight. No, we're going to church. And boy, I used to make me mad, but boy, I'm glad they made me do that. It wasn't a choice at our house. We always went. Uh, you're distracted by, from making, by making money. Oh, I'm too tired to go tonight. Don't make, it's not a choice. You do it. And then, then the last thing here, lost souls. If you don't plan to win souls, if you don't plan to give out tracts, you're not going to do it. But I'm ashamed how many times I've had a track in my pocket and I felt like I ought to give it to somebody 
And then I kind of looked at him and thought, hmm, that guy, I don't know. And pretty soon, you're not giving out any tracks. You got to just decide, okay, whenever I go to a gasoline pump and there's somebody next to me, they're getting a track. Okay, you got to plan to do it. You got to plan to go so into the things that, that you're supposed to do, you got to plan to do it or Satan's going to distract you. So what, what is distracting you? Whatever is distracting you may cost you your marriage, may cost you your kids, may cost you your reputation, it may cost you being used of God. Uh, don't let the devil distract you.